Hi, I'm Melody. And I'm Bonnie. And I'm Maddie. And, and we, we are, are the Spooky Sisters. sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Spooky family. Welcome to Welcome. episode two of the Spooky Sisters. We are excited tonight, so grab your cup of hot stuff. Did that an hour ago. It's already gone. Your pajamas. <laughs> Been on all day. <laughs> Let's... Uh... <laughs> Hashtag COVID. <laughs> Let's get tucked in. All right. Tonight, travel with us, if you will, uh, to Los Angeles. Los Angeles, California. Uh, I've been there one time. You I've been. I've been through there, yeah. Yeah? 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 A few times. A few times, huh? Uh, I've never been actually, like, at an establishment in it, but I've never been past, you know, San Diego. Hollywood. No, it's not Los Angeles. <laughs> What's your dream? Huh? What's, What's your, your dream? dream? I went there. <laughs> <laughs> I dreamt. <laughs> okay. Uh, Los Angeles is uh, the entertainment capital of the world. Houses Hollywood. Um, the city that never sleeps. Los Angeles. I went, I went there, actually. I was actually walking on the Walk of Fame, the stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went there. Did you see Diane Keaton? No, I did not. Mm. I did not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who did you see? I can't remember. That was in high school. (laughs) Many, many years ago. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, I mean, that's how everybody knows LA, right? It's it's LA. Um, Fancy restaurants, overpriced food, Mm -hmm. fancy people, overpriced people. Stars on the the floor. Yeah. (laughs) Fans on the floor. Uh, So we... (laughs) We gathered a few stories from Los Angeles and we'll go through them. Um, But eventually we would like to grow our spooky family and hear from you guys. And as we travel city to city, um, hear kind of your experiences with that city or a relative in that city. And then we can read a lot of your guys' stories. Um, We will be discussing some personal things that happened to us uh, after we talk about Los Angeles. So stay tuned for that. So we will fill in our spooky things as yours flow in to to kind of substitute it. So we've kind of had a a creepy rearing, would you say, from (laughs) hashtag Isabel? Hashtag Isabel. <clears throat> Hashtag Isabel. <laughs> she is our mother. Isabel. Oh, speaking of her, oh, she's, she's calling. Me. Oh, she's calling. Yeah. Mm, of course she is. She's she's got a nowhere spidey sense for this. Uh, Isabel, Isabel reared us to like ghost stories. She is our Spanish mother from the south. Grew up Catholic. Grew up on Indian burial grounds. I mean, the works. She's a very spiritual person. She has a lot of beautiful spiritual gifts and has shared them with us in our babyhood. So we consequently all love horror movies. I mean, Michael Myers Mm -hmm. is pretty much a family member by now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw that car today in Hooper. The station wagon? The station wagon. That station wagon is like a couple blocks up from me, and it has Frankenstein on the back of it. (laughs) Oh, that's all wrong. This one was white. This one is green. (laughs) Oh, my Uh, Mine better. (laughs) This one was totally, totally Michael Myers material. He was going west into Hooper, which nothing's out there. There's nothing past Mm -hmm. us. Nothing. So he's up to no good tonight out there. Yeah. Man, did he yell speed kills and did he slow down? No. Then Michael Myers is fast. He's so fast. He's the fastest. How come they never run? But yeah, they that's always scary. catch uh, up to people. Uh, oh, Paul. That's what I don't get. Oh, I know, and then they're no. like already there. There's that meme with Jason and Michael. And it says, we know why they never run because it's hard to breathe in masks. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag COVID uh-huh. 2020. Uh, so, okay, we'll go ahead and get started with sister number one is Melody, and uh, she's the eldest. So <clears throat> give us what you got from Los Angeles. What's your dream? All right. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Point Sur Lighthouse. It is on the Cabrillo Highway off of, um, in LA and Monterey, like, you know, both sides, mm-hmm. one of those things. And um, it's one of the oldest lighthouses in California. It's had more than a dozen shipwrecks here, there. And it was built in 1889, and the keepers could only get supplies by ship, or it was a four-hour horseback ride 
into the nearest town, into town. And the lighthouse residents had to climb down 400 stairs and trek several miles to a country road. It sounds like us when we had to go to school and we had to go all the way uphill in the snow. Yeah, Mm -hmm. two miles. Um, And now it's a historic state park a state historic park. I said that backwards. Um, and so they do tours and ha- hours and um, they're led by a lady named Julie Nunes. And she says, this is her Shangri-La. She thinks it's utterly beautiful and peaceful, um, which yeah, of course makes sense that the families that live there keep coming back dot, dot, dot as ghosts. <laughs> anyway Nunez is not scared of ghosts she brings her tape recorder and often picks up sounds of ghosts one recording says now she wants you to go home and another says okay pokey go to bed Nunez also says that the last voice she captured was Catherine Ingersoll a Danish immigrant who was married to a lighthouse keeper telling her daughter pokey to go to bed so that was the last one she heard i guess i wrote that a little wrong the lighthouse was automated by the u.s coast guard in 1972 and kept and the keeper there left in 1974 and there's been residents of the house that still hang out in the kitchen which was restored to look like it did in the 1950s and there's um i guess there's a ghost that only haunts the kitchen, but nothing evil or malevolent ever happened there. It's um, weird things happen. Like the, one of the keepers dogs got blown off the cliff on a really windy day, <laughs> but he survived. That's kind of scary, right? It's getting, I mean, that's a little creepy. Um, and Nunez has an ovulus, which is a ghost hunting device. And, she puts it on the kitchen table and asks Ghost to tape to tap the black box so it can send a vibration, and it began to twitch. Um, freaked out yet? It was twitching right in front of her. And then she asks again, no luck. But they did start to hear a weird static buzzing through all of their headphones during the interview with Nunez, and the buzzing didn't go away until they left the building. And the minute they walked into a different building which was the former blacksmith shop, the ovulus starts squawking and they got freaked out. Hmm. And um, yeah, there's another volunteer. Her name is Sheila, Sheila Frazier. And she says she used to be a skeptic until she had her own encounter there, which um, she used to volunteer to clean the head lighthouse keeper's house every thursday usually she own she was the only one in the building at the time one morning she was putting away the vacuum when she heard something downstairs she looked down at the stairway landing and said she saw a woman who looked very real she was turn of the century had her hair up maybe in her late 30s early 40s long sleeves poofy long skirt says fraser and she turned and looked up at me and then she was gone Weird. just like that so did her head turn all slowly? That's what I think. <laughs> and she says she also had an encounter with a male ghost looking in at her through the living room window of the lighthouse keeper's house. What a creeper. It all sounds a little far-fetched. <laughs> <laughs> creeper. Even Nina's ghost sensing ovulus isn't picking up any words or vibrations from ghosts, but the minute they walk into a different building, oh yeah, that thing started going off again. Um who so knows? It's a so, lighthouse then. And yeah, it's a lighthouse. But one of the, the I, this is my favorite part. One of the ghost's name is Walter because that is one of the names they got off the ovulus is it said Walter when they asked the name. And um, I like that. So does the ovulus yeah. just pick up sound? Yeah. Like it, it doesn't pick up, it doesn't pick up like the, what, what any kind mean? of motion or, you know how like when no, you're watching like ghost hunters, they can always like. I think it just picks up sound, just, right? Isn't the obvious, it, so it spits out the words, and there are only so many words programmed yeah, into it. Yeah, it's programmed, yeah, it has them programmed to sense words and articulate them in a robotic voice. Oh, okay. So they literally, they programmed Walter in that? Huh. Weird, huh? Walter yeah. programmed it himself. Isn't that fun? He was a big tech hmm. guy. Awesome. Uh, yeah. That's kind of cool. I don't know. That'd be really scary to see a, a dude staring at you from out the window, though. <clears throat> 
Yeah. I'd be creeped out by the lady at the bottom of the stairs. I like the dog that I flew off the cliff. Go <laughs> I'd go out the window. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you find your dad. Uh, oh, dang. All right. Yeah. I now, yeah. And then there's another story I want to read about um, Griffith Park. That's in LA, of course, and it is a large municipal park at the eastern end of the Santa Monica Mountains in the Las Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. The park covers about 4,210 acres of land, making it one of the largest urban parks of North America, established in 1896. It's an old park. It's a lot of land. Yeah. Now I'm going to read a little story that was on the Washington Post. There are caved, carved, <coughs> caves carved in canyons, sheer cliffs, <laughs> twisting trails, and craggy peaks, all of it barely more than a mile from the freeway. That's why I did this story, because it was off the freeway, which kind of, to me, has a intense vibe about it. You know, it's off the freeway. And there are caves carved in the canyons. It's been home to a bat cave, a hiding place for Kevin McCarthy and Dana Winter in the original invasion of the body snatchers, huh. a Klingon Pino Whoa. colony in the Star Trek series. Weird. <laughs> Get but the Los Angeles park has enough strange and sometimes grime story history for a movie of its own. It's said to be inhabited by ghosts and haunted by a hundred and fifty old curse year old curse. Oh. And it's been the scene of a number of murder mysteries. Hmm. One that's still unfolding. It began earlier this month with a pair of hikers stumbled upon a human skull laying partially uncovered on a little used side trail within a stone's throw of the park's famous Hollywood sign. Investigators for the Los Angeles Police Department and coroner's office swarmed the spot, according to KPCC, searching for evidence of a crime scene, but they found nothing. A little more than a week later, a forensic anthropologist with the coroner's office says the skull belonged to a woman who at least who was at least 20 at the time of her death, according to the Los Angeles Times, and the fragment of bone had been lying in the park for at least one year, and as many as 10, at least one year and as many as 10, but it's still not clear who the woman was or how she died. When reporters trekked up into the canyon the morning after the skull was found, the hikers they encountered seemed spooked but not entirely surprised by the discovery. It's pretty rugged and a lot of shrubberies and, and bush, Paula Mendez told KABC. Once you get off the beaten trail, anything could be happening there. Griffith, Griffith Park is one of the country's largest urban parks and Chaparral covered slopes. Mm -hmm. I don't know that word. Chaparro? It's a zoo, an observatory, museums, an amphitheater, dot the park's border, but its interior is rugged and remote. The park is said to have been cursed since its beginnings. In the mid-19th century, it was a vast, rich ranch belonging to a wealthy bachelor, Don Antonio Feliz, who lived there with his housekeeper and his niece, Petronilla. In 1863, as the Don lay dying of smallpox, an influential local politician named Antonio Coronel came to and dropped Felice's will. Coronel and his lawyer claimed that Felice gave his assent to the document, which left the ranch to the politician and nothing to Petrolina. But either way, Petrolina was infuriated by the outcome. The substance of the Felice family shall be your curse, she swore, according to legend. The wrath of heaven and the vengeance of hell shall fall upon this place. She's pretty wicked. <laughs> the curse of the Felices may be nothing but a myth, but it's true that the ranch would become Griffith Park. Okay, so question. Curses, are they real? I think they are. Yeah. 100%. I believe in witches too. And which is put curses on people. And sometimes you wonder why somebody like, here's an example, like they're in love with the wrong person. You're like, Oh, you know, they're a terrible match. He beats her or whatever. It's probably because a witch's curse. She can't get out of it. Mm -hmm. You ever put it that way? Saw it yeah. that way? Never. 
I think of these things all the time. It's not that way, but I do think that, okay, we're, we're not supposed to share personal stories till the end, but this is on topic. So we lived in, I've only lived, well, I guess we've lived in a few haunted places growing up, but as an adult, oh my gosh, it was the creepiest oh, yeah. few years of my life. And whatever was there targeted my daughter, Hallie. Did you say it was apartment X? Yes. Well, of course it's a target. Uh-oh. X marks the spot. X marks the spot for being treasure curses. <laughs> All the so, same. Um, we, we lived there for a short time for a few years, but like I said, whatever it was, was targeting my daughter who was what, six at the time, five and six. And one day I was looking for her school picture and I, I had left it right on the counter between the microwave and the refrigerator and I looked everywhere and I couldn't find it. And a few days later, I found it on the bookshelf in the dining room on the very, very top of it, face down. I feel like this is like a game of clue. On the top, top, On the top bookshelf in the dining room. <laughs> Miss Peacock. So that was her picture, right? And I had a picture of her and Ritter in my, I don't know if we're supposed to say our children's names, but here. Um, so we, uh, I had my picture of my children in my bathroom on a shelf and the, the, um, sorry, excuse me. The photo would fall on its face, like at random times during the day off the shelf, face down on the floor. So there was something about the, a picture of Hallie that this thing just didn't like, but I'll fast forward to, we're talking about curses and the day we moved, like, my bathroom was the last thing for me to pack up. And the very first thing that happened to us in that apartment was the very first night we moved in at one o'clock in the morning, we heard this huge, huge crash in our bathroom, in our master bathroom. All of the contents that were on the perimeter of the bathtub were in the middle of the bathtub. Like that's full bottles of Pantene Pro-V conditioner, like heavy, heavy bottles just thrown into the middle of the, so I don't know. It was, Something they didn't weird. like organization so, or structure. I don't know. That was the last, that was the last room that I packed up. This is, this is Maddie, by the way. And I packed the shelf very, very last. And when I put the shelf down, there was a lock of Hallie's hair on it. What the heck? I'm not kidding. Did and she cut it? told me to burn it immediately. What the heck? So, so I put it there. Did Hallie cut it? No. And it was a top, top show. She was five. Huh. And it was like that long. So I got a match and I heard and I burned it. And when I burned it, the embers like floated right in front of my face. Like they were like playing with me. Huh. And then that's wicked. Then it was, it was the craziest thing that's ever, ever happened to me. And when I was talking to one of my girlfriends about it, Genevieve, she was like, she was like, who cursed you? And I was like, Oh, what? And she was like, who hated you? And I've only thought of one person that's hated me in my life. And she knew how much I love my daughter. And it's like, did she go to that apartment? Oh, yeah. And she was so, Weird. so jealous of me. Nobody's ever hated me like that. So anyway, she's like, let's do a clearing. Let's do a cleansing. And when we left that apartment, it was fine. So it could have very well just been something, some energy in that apartment building because the people below beat their children like crazy. Like it was insane. So what I'm saying is... I believe in curses. I really, really do. Because people will say, oh, it's only if you believe in them that it happens. But I think that there is real magic in that. I really, really do. So that's what I say about curses. Sorry, did you, do you have any more about Griffith Park that I interrupted? Yeah, I could read a little bit more about it. Um, so the coronal swiftly ceded the property to his lawyer who was shot and killed while celebrating the sale of the land's water rights. The next owner attempted to turn the ranch into a dairy business, but the cattle sickened and died and grasshoppers and fires demolished the crops. During the tenure of its last owner, Griffith, J. Griffith, get it? Griffith Park. A lightning storm brought down huge strands of trees, stands of trees and sent a wall of waters cascading through the canyons, ruining much of the ranch, according to the book, Victorian Los Angeles. So it was just really cursed. 
Mm-hmm. And ranch hands claimed they saw Felice's ghost riding the waves down a hillside, yeah. cheering his successor's <laughs> demise. Hang loose, man. <laughs> Afterward, Griffith would only visit the property during the day. And in 1896, apparently having decided that the land was more trouble than it was worth, he donated it to Los Angeles as a Christmas present. Oh, that's Here nice. Once in public hands, the misfortunes at Griffith Park seemed to recede, but the rumors did not. The Feliz's curse was blamed after 29 civilian conservation corps corps workers died in 1933 fire. The death of a a young couple who were crushed by a falling tree while while making love on a picnic table in 1976 only added to the tales that the place was haunted. But in 2002, Griffith Park's chief ranger, Albert Torres, scoffed at the notion that visitors had anything to fear from the park's undead inhabitants. Frankly, I'm not afraid of any of any make-believe demons as much as I am some of the living and breathing human monsters who come in here, he told the LA Times. If you knew even a quarter of the stuff we find within the park's perimeter, you'd never set foot in it again. (laughs) Animal sacrifices, satanic cults, murders, prostitution. With stuff like that happening on a regular basis, it makes a pair of 30-year-old ghosts look like good times. (laughs) In 2002, two women walking their dog made a gruesome discovery on one of the park's hiking trails below the Hollywood sign. It was a severed head wrapped in a plastic bag. A day later, investigators scouring the scene found more body parts, a right hand, a foot, and feet buried in a shallow grave. The left hand was found just hours after, according to Hervey Mendeling, Mendeling, a former Mexican Airlines employee, but no one knew he would have wanted him dead. Oh, man, I must have missed something. Oh, I'm sorry. The remains belong to 66-year-old Hervey Hervey Medellin, a former Mexican Airlines employee. Rumors swirled that Medellin was a member of a Mexican drug cartel or a victim of a Canadian cannibal killer who was also accused of dismembering and eating Chinese graduate students. Ew. Ew. Maybe we'll just chill. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, they found another body last year belonged to a 24-year-old, 24-year-old that had been meeting minors for sex. And yeah, they're still finding bodies. There was an, there was a suicide as well. Um, Man. Oh, have you guys heard of the suicide forest in Japan? Yeah. And that's it on that though. That's that's a crazy park. And like you said, it's a crazy park. Off of the interstate though, there's something intense about that. Yeah, and it's just insane. Wow. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. All right, we're on to system number two. That's Bonnie. Bonnie Bonnie. McCreary. All right. Go ahead, Bonnie. Take it away. All right. Uh, uh, Mine is not as in detail (laughs) as Griffith Park, Um, but mine is the Queen Mary. The Queen Mary is, um, so it's in Long Beach, which is 20 miles from L.A., but uh, it is on the Long Beach Harbor. It's a colossal ship that was bigger, faster, and more powerful than, than the Titanic. So the Queen Mary um, was 1,000 feet. So it was, an, it was a 1,000-foot ship. The Titanic was 883. Oh, man. I know, I'm right? such a fan of And the Titanic right. was Queen Mary huge. was bigger, huh? Yeah. So that was just a little fun fact. Um, so the Queen Mary began her life when the first keel plate was laid in 1930 at the John Brown shipyard in Clyde, Scotland. The depression held up her construction between 1931 and 1934, but she was finally completed, making her maiden voyage on May 27, 1936. Um, In the 1930s, the Queen Mary was the ultimate luxury liner. So like the big names um, like Winston Churchill, Greta Garbo, and Clark Gable all journeyed across the Atlantic on her majestic decks. When World War II broke out, the Queen Mary was painted gray to look like a troop ship, and uh, it was redubbed the Gray Ghost. So it was known to the ferry soldiers um, on the front lines. During this time, her capacity was increased from 2,410 to 5,500. So that's quite an increase. That is just for people being on, on that ship. By the end of World War II, 
The ship had carried more than 800,000 troops, traveled more than 600,000 miles, and played a significant role in virtually every major Allied campaign. She had also survived a collision at sea, which is amazing to me that it didn't go down then. Titanic hit that iceberg, and it took it down like that. Oh, I know. So I'm wondering what this hit. It didn't say anything like what it ran into, what it hit or anything, but it did survive that. So that was pretty cool. Um, she set the record for carrying the most people ever on a floating vessel and participated in the D-Day invasion. So today you can find her docked off the port of Long Beach, California, where she now serves as a floating hotel, which um, provides 346 room accommodations. So that'd be so fun. That's that, a trip we got to take Isabel on. I don't know. That's really Cause I was reading fun. reviews. Like some people were saying it was really good, but a lot of people are like, it wasn't worth it. It's like the money, you know, you pay so much into it and it's just not worth going there. But then again, there's a lot of the naysayers, but then there's a lot of the good ones that come out and be like, that was awesome. You know? Yeah. I think so it'd I don't know. be worth it to go. It's like a half and half, you know? So, um, and it's, it's crazy because documented, it shows that there were 46 people killed on the ship. But it says, huh? That's it? Yeah. But there are 150 different spirits, different spirits that call the Queen Mary home. Yeah. So oh, where did yeah. the rest of the spirits come from? <gasps> different civilizations from before. So like, they probably stop at a port and spirits board the ship or yes. they died here yeah. and then a hundred years later there's a new civilization and the queen mary exists but then all of the people from before her that died in that area could I'm be there with a parallel universe okay Possibly. dimensions yeah, yeah. i'm just gonna say murder some were just like yeah i don't want to be here anymore so let's board the ship and yeah. see where it takes us <laughs> okay anyway so um some notable residents include a crew member who was crushed to death by a watertight door. Oh, yeah. A woman dressed in all white who dances by herself in one of the luxury oh. suites. That's sad. Yeah. Um, and several adults and children in the 1930s era garb whose apparitions have been spotted wandering the pool decks. That would creep me out. If you were to be out by the pool and you just see all these children, all these adults, like, and I'm sure that it's not like groups of adults, groups of children. It's probably just like one or two here and there let's just be sitting by the pool and seeing that seeing a ghost yeah. all on vacation like i don't know well do you remember the the unsolved mysteries episode of the queen mary oh my gosh that mom and mom watch a lot isabel would watch mm-hmm. hashtag isabel hashtag myself mm-hmm. so i remember the little girl coming out of the pool and her little reenactment of yeah. her little footprints that's oh yeah yeah well that's what it is and i'll get to that um so they say like if you do end up staying there just watch out for drastic temperature changes, slamming doors, knocking screams, lights flickering, and children crying. <laughs> All aboard a ship that earn or that's earned its reputation as one of the most haunted structures in America. Dun dun dun. Among the ghosts reportedly still hanging around is an engineer who died in the ship's engine room. So that was the one um, that got squished. He got squished. So I'm gonna go into his story. Um, Let's see. So with the children, I guess they have a first-class pool and a second-class pool. The children are normally throughout the first-class pool. Oh, good. Um, The tour entrance or the tour stops at the entrance doors of the swimming pool, but does not go inside the pool area due to ongoing restoration Mm -hmm. projects, quote, Mm -hmm. (laughs) air quotes. Um, At the close of the war, the ship began to transport more than 22,000 war brides and their children to the United States and Canada, known as the Bride and Baby Voyages. She made 13 voyages for this purpose in 1946. So I'm just going to go over a little more information, and then I will get into um, the guy who was was crushed by the watertight door. So um, it's duty to the war was complete. The Queen Mary was refurbished and resumed her elegant cruises in July of 1947, maintaining weekly service between Southampton, Cherbourg, and New York. However, by the early 1960s, transatlantic cruises were falling out of fashion due to air travel becoming affordable for the masses. In 1963, the ship began a series of occasional cruises, first to the Canary Islands and later to the Bahamas. However, without central air conditioning, Outdoor pools or other amenities now commonplace on cruise ships. 
she proved ill-suited for the work. That would suck. I mean, air conditioning is a really good, really good commodity now. And yeah. it sucked to be like living back then and just on a ship. Oh, man. Tight. You know, it's everything is just like compact. And you feel like you can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Imagine wearing a mask on that. Oh. Hmm. So anyway, um, so in 1967, she was withdrawn from service after more than a thousand transatlantic crossings. That same year, the Queen Mary was sold for 3.45 million to the city of Long Beach, California, for use as a mar- maritime museum and hotel. On December 9, 1967, she made her final voyage to Long Beach. After 1,001 successful Atlantic crossings, she was permanently docked and soon became the luxury hotel that she is today. It's sweet. Like, I don't know. I, I like how they, how they name it. Call they, her a she. They kinda, yeah, they call her a she. That's sweet to me. Um, so yeah, it just says that there is as many as, as many as 150 known spirits lurking upon the ship. Over the past 60 years, the Queen Mary has been at the site Oh, of at least 49 deaths. Sorry, I said 47 earlier. Not to mention having gone through the terrors of war. So it comes as no surprise that spectral spirits of her vivid past continue to walk within her rooms and hallways. Um, so the young man that was killed, he was an 18-year-old crew member, and this was the most recent death. It was during a routine watertight door drill in 1966. It crushed an 18-year-old crew member dressed in blue coveralls and sporting a beard. The young man has often been spied walking the length of the shaft alley before disappearing by door number 13. Ooh. The infamous watertight door number 13 is that, I mean, that's the story of it. Um, on July 10, 1966, the Queen Mary was at the sea and the weather turned foul. In a lot of sources, you'll read that the watertight doors were closed as part of an exercise. But on the ship, we were told that they were closed as a result of inclement weather. About 15 minutes after the doors were ordered to close, engineering staff found 18-year-old John Petter crushed in door number 13. They called the bridge and had the door opened. It was common at the time for the young members of the engineering crew to play a game of chicken with the doors running back and forth through them as they closed. It's possible Petter was doing this. But several of Petter's workmates also say that yet the young crewman has asked, or he was asking them if they knew where his spanner, which is a wrench, if they knew where his spanner was. They believe that Petter was jumping through the watertight door in an attempt to recover his tools. For whatever reason, Petter was taken to sick bay, but he never recovered. He died there. Um, ugh. Like, I, I can't... I can't imagine just being there and knowing that somebody was crushed, like their body was just crushed by mm-hmm. those watertight doors because those doors will not stop for anything. Mm. So um, crewmen said they, they would see a young man in the area of the door. Sometimes they claimed to see him holding a spanner in his hand. So he got his wrench. Mm. Other crews claimed to have seen a young man who asked if they had seen his spanner. In both cases, the young man faded away before their eyes. Visitors and staff of the Queen Mary still see his apparition. There have been cases where guards patrolling with dogs hear noises from the area of door number 13, but the dogs refuse to move any closer to the door until the noises cease. Dang. So, it, yeah, obviously dogs don't want to be down there either. Like, who would like to sleep down there? I wonder if they have rooms close to that door. Hmm. That'd be kind of, that'd be kind of cool to find out. Um. A guide felt a presence behind her and turning saw a young man standing behind her. The apparition was only there for a few seconds before disappearing. The guide later picked up John Petter's photo out of a lineup. She was not aware of the tragic death that occurred at door number 13. But in addition to this, there is another weird twist. On August 13, 1991, a couple visiting the Queen Mary were told the story of crewman Petter and the sightings. So they jokingly invited crewman Petter if he'd like to join them on their tour. Nothing happened. So they continued with the door or with the tour and passed through watertight door number 13. As they passed through, they felt another, prince, another presence join them. And the woman felt something brush her. She looked back to ask her partner if he felt anything and saw, mm-hmm. the, saw that he had smears of grease on his face 
and clothes. He hadn't a moment before. She she had the same thing on her face and her clothes oh as well. Gosh, grease. So she's walking. They're walking through door number thirteen, and Petter's right there, and he is greasing people up. There's <laughs> something so creepy about it being greasy. He was a crewman. That's I all know. they know. I've like, heard they were other like possession stories. Other things were like grease is like it's like a thing. Huh. Ectoplasm. Huh. I don't know. So although this is an engine room, there are no longer many places you'll encounter grease as you walk about. The place is basically railed off, as you can see. Or there's no photo here. However, engineering crewmen are often covered in smears of grease, much like the grease smears the couple had. So that particular event didn't end with them. It still happens. Occasionally, so the story goes, someone will walk through the door and discover smears of grease on their clothing or face that weren't there before they walked through. No. So I bet people are like, I dare you to go through it. <laughs> I dare oh, you. Little grease monkeys. Um, so, and then going back to the, um, oh, what's that show we used to watch? Unsolved Mysteries. Unsolved Mysteries. So in the first class swimming pool, which had been closed for more than three decades, women have often been seen appearing in 1930s style swimming suits, wandering the decks near the pool. Others have reported the sounds of splashing and spied wet footprints leading from the deck to the changing rooms. Yep. Little girls. Some have also spied the spirit of a young girl clutching her teddy bear. Oh my gosh. But the thing is, um, in this one, it says the second class pool room, the spirit of another little girl named Jackie is often to be seen and heard. Allegedly, the unfortunate girl drowned in the pool during the ship's sailing days and reportedly or reputedly refused to move on as her voice, as well as the sounds of her laughter have been captured here. However, author paranormal investigator Cher Garman points out that there are no known drownings to have ever occurred on the ship, although she says Jackie is there. Hmm. No, I swear I heard a story of a little girl that it has been around, but if she's saying like, I wonder where she got her information. She she was supposed to go with her dad or something. She was late for dinner and fell in. Yeah. So anyway, Jackie is in the second class pool room, but the first class has like a lot of different women in their 1930 swimsuits, but it's just crazy. Like if she's saying that there are no, no drownings, then what happened to Jackie? And if she has the wet footprints. So, um, yeah, it just it says that uh, more occurrences have happened and been made in a number of first-class staterooms. Here reports have been made of a tall, dark-haired man appearing in the 1930s-style suit, as well as water running and lights turning on in the middle of the night and phones ringing in the early morning hours with no one on the other end of the line. In the third-class children's playroom, a baby's cry has often been heard which is thought to be the infant boy who died shortly after his birth. But people are saying they go on there and they can still hear knocks, door slamming, drastic temperature changes, and the aromas of smells past. I bet like smoke or perfume. Or- mm-hmm. That'd be, it'd be creepy. Like all I can picture is like the Titanic and just seeing all the people who died from there. Mm-hmm. Like if the Titanic were still up and moving, how many spirits would be on that? Gosh, I, I know. Why nobody like sends like mediums or someone in to like help the child spirits move on? Like I heard a story about a haunted asylum. I forgot. I don't know where it was. Um, Idaho maybe. About all these kids, like eleven children died there from. They they were sent to. It was kids sent to like the psych ward, and then the dude was doing like lobotomies on on them, like experimenting on them. So 11 of the children like died there. Wow. And sometimes like scouts will camp there for a night on, on one of this, the, these camping trips that they do. And this guy had this awful experience as when he was in scouts and then he grew up and had a kid of his own. And the kid was going on that same camping trip to that same place. And he had like the same experience and it's like, why? And he had a thought. He was like, those kids are stuck in there asking for help because mm-hmm. they're, and yeah. And he's like, and I know they need help, but he's like, I'm never going back. And I just think one, yeah, it's scary, but don't be a coward. It's kids. Like, isn't there some sort of like super power, some superhuman going around telling children to move on? Yeah. How are, how are children stuck? It's Cat's dad from Casper. Cat's dad. 
<laughs> oh, What's Dan comments on. What's his scared name? to death talking about cats? Jeff. <laughs> Bill. It's Pullman. Bill Pullman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant. I was, Jeff. Move on. <laughs> Jeff the killer. <laughs> Evergreen's scared of someone called Jeff the killer. Oh, yeah. He's on Minecraft or something. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All, All right. Well, that, was that sums Mary. up Queen Mary. Thank you. I am sister number three, Maddie Peterson. It's my name. Don't wear it out. Don't wear it out. So um, I just did the Black Dahlia. Um, she's not really a ghost story per se of Los Angeles, but um, it's a horrific story native to the area. So, uh, her name is Elizabeth short and she was brutally murdered on, uh, in 1947. She, you guys, Oh, is gross. It is gross. So she like, she had three sisters growing up. And they lived in like Massachusetts. But when she was 15, she was diagnosed with some sort of lung thing where she had to live in hot place places. So she like lived in Florida with her grandma for the summers and would go back for school. And then like her dad fake committed suicide to get out of the family. So she like, she, it was just so, so bizarre. And she ended up moving out to California to become an actress her, she got a letter from her dad. Her estranged dad was like, oh, psych, I'm alive. Let's hang out. And she had a relationship with her father. No, well, I can. Anyway, they, they reconnected and all this stuff, but then he like abandoned her again. It's just a really sad, sad little girl, lady. And she was an aspiring actress. And the alleged killer is some guy named Dr. George Hodell. Because the, so it's, it's terrible. This mother and her daughter, a three-year-old, her three-year-old daughter discovered the body in a park mm. and it was dismembered at the waist. Yep. So it was, it's called bisectioned. Mm-hmm. And at first the mother thought it was a mannequin and then like got up closer and realized that it was a woman cut in half, severed and like, it, oh, okay, I don't yeah. know how... I don't know how was she pregnant. Intense, no. Okay, no, she wasn't. But there, like, there were like rumors of that. that there was a baby, but no, she wasn't. Um, but like, oh, her, her intestines were like tucked under her, and there were cuts on her thighs and around her heart. And um, the biggest part was that she was severed at the waist surgically. Mm-hmm. So that's why they, they knew what they were doing. That's why they looked to Doctor George Hodel. Um, it's called a hemicorporectomy. A hemicorporectomy. It was a surgical technique taught at the time. And so it was somebody who who definitely knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, just really gross. It was, I guess it was a four-hour torture. It's what the autopsy revealed. She was cut ear to ear, Ew. which is called a Glasgow smile. Mm-hmm. Um, bisected, drained of blood. And then the, this is the creepiest part of the entire story the body was washed before being put on display this dude did this stuff to her and then like washed her like she was some prize like yeah it that it's just the sickest detail to me Mm -hmm. in this it's disgusting um and then posed her with her hand over her head her elbows after he did everything yeah washed her after gross gross and uh so Anyway, like you flash flash forward to today, it's still unsolved, right? Technically, because he was acquitted, he he got out of it. But his son, Steve Hodell, was featured on Ghost Adventures. I don't know if we're even allowed to say the names, whatever. Um, And I was watching an interview with him, who he's convinced that his father did it, Mm -hmm. like completely. Um, And not just to her, but to like 11 other women in that building in their home. Um, but in Tamar is a half sister and she's the only one that's actually seen a woman apparition. And when she does, it's in a dark 1940 style dress. Um, much like, I mean, I guess that's why that's not why they call her the black Dahlia. They named her, they coined her the black Dahlia because she would frequent a local drugstore and she had dark hair and dark features. She's very beautiful. And the people there just called her, 
the little black dahlia. They're little black dahlia. Hmm. That's what Wikipedia says anyway. Um, a lot of people say otherwise, but ultimately the half sister saw the apparition in that building, but she was also spotted at the, the last place she was spotted was the Biltmore hotel in Los Angeles, which is a really, really popular hotel. Um, people say that she, that they see a black, again, a pale woman with dark hair and a 1940s black dress roaming specifically the 10th and 11th floors. But one guy claimed, and I don't know if this is true, but one guy claimed that he actually rode in the elevator with a woman dressed in black. And then on the sixth floor, she just literally vanished into the elevator. And then he was, he claims that he, um, he was shocked to pick up a true crime book in his store a few days later and recognized the ghost from the elevator as Elizabeth Short. So, but other than that, I mean, not a lot of people have actually like seen her there. Not a lot of stories out there. It's mostly just a gruesome tale that happened in the area that's still unsolved that people found. But she doesn't, she doesn't do anything like no. to scare anybody. She's just there. No, she's just there. She just appears and then she literally will vanish into air or walk through walls. That's it. Mm. She has nowhere to go. She has nowhere to go. She had this sad little life and a sad little death. And that's essentially the Black Dahlia. Sad. Yeah. There are other like LA ones, like the Hollywood sign I heard is really haunted. Um, I wonder, yeah. Cause I wonder shop. how many people have like committed suicide there. Oh, I know. Um, right. Cause <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. That's like a well-known area, and well, it's LA. It's where dreams go to die. Yeah, and know, dreams come true. Yeah, dreams come true. That's it's very, very good if you know. Very good. Um, so that wraps up the three stories that we were going to do from Los Angeles. So I have asked sister number one, Melody, to share a few of her personal ghost stories. I guess you want to call them happenstances supernatural hmm. happenstances <laughs> did it involve crows the crowning <laughs> the crow david uh we're being moira so go ahead take it away sister number one well for instance there was once when i was in was i still in high school and we just we had that new house that rambler white was two house. levels and mom's dream dark Isabel's carpet. dreams house. Dream house. And I was sitting in the living room on the couch and I can't remember if I had the TV turned on yet or not, but I saw, you know, the pool noodles you use in the pool. Yeah. I saw the reflection of it in the, in the TV. I remember that. And it was just standing up behind me. That big console TV? Yeah. Big <laughs> 1980s console TV. It was a box. And it just sat there for... Floating like vertically? Like someone was vertically. vertically? Yeah. And I thought it was leaning against the couch. And I turned, you know, and I looked and it was not against the couch. And it was standing up, straight oh. up. I was just really confused about it. Didn't you think it was Lucas? No, I didn't think it was Lucas. Did it just, like, how long did it stay there? Did you watch it the entire time? What did you do after that? I watched it the whole time. I just continued watching my show. <laughs> so <laughs> you just you just turned your head and you're like, oh, uh, like that is so it weird. It was just, I, I think, I bet it was like 30 seconds it was standing straight So up. did you watch it, like, go down? Yeah. So somebody placed it, it down nice. It went slowly, what? yeah. It went slowly and down. And you just chilled. Mm -hmm. You were just like, okay, cool. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Wow. Huh. I was eating ramen. I think I was getting ready. I can't remember to go to class at sixty or something. I don't know. I don't know. I want maybe, huh? Wow. We don't know how old you were. No. You guys didn't tell me these stories when we lived there because baby Maddie. Huh. I'm. Oh. Yeah, I lived, up, I lived upstairs where the devil didn't live. No, oh the yeah, devil. the devil lived downstairs. Me no. and my brother. No, it was a rambler and. It was only haunted downstairs because we had pictures of Jesus upstairs. Well, I can, uh, I can tell you one thing. Okay. Just, it's really quick. Take it away, Bonnie. Um, so we had a dog named Pookie Aww. and she R. was a P. cute little dog. Um, anyway, everybody was gone. I don't know why I was the only one home alone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was, it was high school. So I was fine with it. So anyway, um, 
I was just, I think I was upstairs in our room doing something. And then just out of nowhere, the power goes out. And it was probably like six or seven o'clock at night. And the power goes out. And I'm with Pookie because she's with me in the room. And she walks out of our room, goes right next door to mom and dad's. Barks. And she's barking at the wall in their room. And she is growling. Corner of their wall. I was just doing that in Colby's study. So it was right by dad's side of the bed. She was barking at that corner. And I'm like, Pookie, come here. Like, I was just getting mad at her for doing it. I'm like, get over here. Like, I could feel something in there. And I'm like, let's get out. So I grabbed her. Her and I walked across the street to our neighbor's house. Heidi. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm just going to sit in your yard. I'm just going to sit here. (laughs) I'm not going back into the house. (laughs) But it was weird. Because, like, like in the Queen Mary, the dogs won't go to door number 13. Mm -hmm. They can sense it. Oh, yeah. Pookie would not go to the corner of the wall but she was you could see her like the way she was holding her her herself like her front paws were down on the ground but her back was up so it was like she was in sitting position but she kept scooting back each time oh. like she would bark she was scooting back the whole time so mm, weird I'm yeah, like, yeah I'm i out. mean colby did we not just oh it's with arthur i downstairs <clears throat> in the study he was just barking so bad at his chair so i thought ozzy was on the chair because they, they don't get along and he, there was nothing in there. Barking at the chair. Hmm. Yep. Cold it happens. State thrown. It happens. It's scary. So. It was. T- we always, we always joke that Arthur's so many demons down there because <laughs> he wants some friends. Oh. <laughs> wants to have a good time. <laughs> All right. Uh, so spooky, spooky family. We encourage you to please send us your email or email us is what I mean mm-hmm. at the spooky. Sorry. I always get this wrong. Spooky sisters at gmail.com. S P O O K Y S I S T A S at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at the spooky sisters for all of our uh, updates and just pictures from tonight's episode from Los Angeles. We might post a few from the queen Mary. I'm sure there's a ton online Mm -hmm. Um, and definitely from the black Dahlia. Maybe not from Griffith Park with that's, all the that's crazy Park stuff. <laughs> yeah, I really got into it. <laughs> it was very informative. It was good. Oh, so we hope that you guys are tucked in and you're ready to have your nightmares. And that you guys are ready to get spooked. Or that you did get spooked. Get spooked. <laughs> I'm Maddie. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Melody. And we, we are, are the, the Spooky, spooky Sisters. sisters.